And I think that was God's way because he knew what I needed. He let me know, hey, you're, you're just as important. In fact, I put you here for a purpose. You know, you're going to affect other people. Everyone affects other people in their realm. And yours happens to be a big one, half a million people. And you're not a nobody. So I, I needed to hear that, and I needed to hear it from God, and I heard it directly from God, and you don't want to argue with God. You're listening to the I Am Healing Strong podcast, a part of the Healing Strong organization, the number one network of holistic cancer support groups in the world. Each week, we bring you stories of hope, real stories that will encourage you as you navigate your way on your own journey to health. Now, here's your host, stage four cancer thriver, Jim Mann. Thanks for joining me on the I Am Healing Strong podcast. Today is unusual because I have to talk to myself, which I do a lot in the car and stuff like that, but I don't record myself. This is going to be kind of weird for me, but I've gotten a bunch of questions that uh, I need to answer. I'm not in trouble. They're just questions that people want to know uh, some answers to. So let's do this thing. The sad part is, in you know, I've been in radio for 30 years, which means I talk for 20 to 30 seconds at a time. And so that's the, that's all the information I need to have in my head. And then I can fill it with something else for the next time I talk. But now I got to talk for 30 minutes-ish. So be patient with me is what I'm saying. And the first question happens to be about radio. So that, let's start it off easy. How did you get into radio? I got in probably an, an unusual way. Some people think you got to get a, uh, a communications degree or a broadcast degree, which, you know, that's not going to hurt you, but you, you don't need that. I moved from Baltimore, grew up in Baltimore, moved to Florida to go to Southeastern University. And as soon as I would, you know, in communication with people, whether it's ordering food or you know, paying for something in the store or just talking to somebody, I always got the question, are you in radio? I'm like, what are you talking about? Is it my face? What's wrong with my face? Because, you know, everyone's always tell, telling me I have a face for radio, which is not a compliment. So I just kept getting it. And it always made me very nervous when I heard that because I was an introvert. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I couldn't do radio. Thousands of people listen to you when you talk. It'd be terrible. And plus, I didn't hear myself the same way other people did, nor did they in Baltimore because they were used to me, I guess. I don't know. But since I was being introduced to a bunch of people, they just heard me as they thought they were listening to the radio. So after several years of that, and I had graduated from college, I didn't know what I was going to do with a music degree. Uh, didn't know what I was going to do with it, but I said, hey, maybe I should check this out. In fact, I was out to eat with this family that that runs the AM station uh, next town over, and they, they offered me a job. Like They go, hey, you would do good on our radio station. And it got me thinking a little bit more about it, but still, I was scared to death. And, it's, and that's the station that this mega station in our town uh, would get people from. They'd send them down there to learn radio and then bring them over. So I went to WCIE, which is the big mega station. It was one of three contemporary Christian stations that started back in the 70s. So they were, they were pretty powerful, 100,000 watts right there in central Florida. And so I went to the manager and said, hey, you know, I'm thinking that uh, God's trying to nudge me towards radio because that's all I hear now. And I'm not really doing what I think I should be doing. So I should check this out. So I figured he would say, well, you know, you need to do this and that and try to get a job at the AM station, which I knew I was a shoe in because they already offered me one. 
he opened up a drawer full of cassette tapes, demo tapes from radio people from all over the country who wanted to work at this station. First of all, I was in Florida. People, for some reason, were living in Florida. They like sweating or something. You know, it's like a half hour from Disney World. It's just vacation land. It just seemed like the perfect job. So I thought, ah, oh, well, I won't get a job here. He goes, but we need somebody this weekend if you're available. I instantly just, I broke out in sweat. It was terrible. I couldn't say no because I was coming there to find out how I can get into radio. So I took the took that position, scared to death. I sounded like Kermit the first couple of weeks because my throat got all tight. 30 years later, I kind of retired from radio, I guess, because I got tired of getting up at 2 a.m. because I was on the morning show. But I loved it. I loved the 30 years. It was great. And I believe it's where, really where I should have been. So that just goes to show you, especially a non-aggressive person like me, who doesn't like plan out his life. This is what I want to do. This is what I was born for. I had no idea what I wanted to do, but God just nudged me in that direction. And I feel like that's that was my niche or my niche in life. So there, that's encouraging for you if you're looking for something to do. And I don't know why you asked that question. Maybe you want to get radio, but if there's somebody listening that would like to get into radio, let me tell you, it's a lot easier than you think. Just find that radio station that you just like to be a part of and go volunteer. It's hard to find a radio station that will not take volunteers or are not desperate for volunteers, you know, where it's working tables at concerts or whatever it may be. That way you get a feel for it and they get a feel for you. And if they like you and they go, hey, you might be good on the air, they'll bring you on, you know, on their shift and just kind of talk with you and see how you respond. It's just a good way of getting in the radio. So I just thought I'd throw that out there. Mm -hmm. That one is free. Did you have fear during or experience fear after healing? What helped or helps you get out of that feeling? Well, of course, I was, um, as soon as I got the diagnosis, I, you know, I was gripped in fear because I didn't know what's going on. And the way they told me about it, they sounded very desperate on the phone, which unnerved me. But then again, you know, they knew me from the, they listened to me on the radio station. So they felt like I was family, you know, that, that weird thing. When you hear someone's voice every morning, they feel like they're, you know, your family. But the fact that they were so concerned that uh, I thought, oh, my gosh, this is very serious. So, yeah, I was gripped with fear. But then God, throughout that first first couple of weeks, he let me know without a doubt that he was totally aware of what's going on and that he was with me and I have nothing to worry about, which is weird. But that's the way it, it happened. I mean, people crossed my path. That was obvious, uh, something that God orchestrated. And uh, you can hear my, my story on my podcast if you don't know what, what in the world I'm talking about. <laughs> but I don't want to just say it again here. I found this plaque, I, probably at Hobby Lobby or something like that, that uh, I bought and I put it up on the wall outside of my bedroom door while I was healing. And it really gave me a lot of encouragement. It was in, uh, it was Psalm 46, which states, I got the Bible right in front of me. I would bring the plaque here, but it says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. And it drops down to 10. It says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. 
and I will be exalted in the earth. And I just found a lot of encouragement from that. Like, who am I to worry about these things when I have a God that created everything and told me not to fear? And even if I were to die, you know, that week from the cancer, I will be better off in ways that I don't understand now. I can't grasp it with my little mind, as brilliant as I am. Of course, you know, it wasn't like I was willing to die or ready to die or wanted to die. You know, I've got my family, I got my kids. I would like to see how they end up. But I would like to see grandkids one day for crying out loud. But still, I know it'll be so much better and I didn't have anything to fear. So, yeah, that's pretty much how I uh, took care of that. And I haven't had fear since then. So there, hope that answers that question. Did you do any of the conventional treatment or all natural? Well, I didn't know about all natural when I first got the diagnosis. Of course, being in radio and uh, having uh, half a million listeners, you're going to get a lot of advice through emails and texts and phone calls. And uh, people, of course, they told me about the Chris Speed Cancer book, uh, among many other things, but mostly that one. And of course, I was overwhelmed at the time. You know how it is. You're kind of like in a daze because your whole life just changed. And, and so immediately I had to get the operation uh, before I did anything. And they already told me, you know, where the next operation is going to be. And then the one after that, because they just assumed from the size of the melanoma that, you know, it was all over the place. And after the operation, which was pretty brutal, I will say that is the worst part of the whole journey. It was a brutal one. Skin grafts are never fun. It never spread. The, the lymph nodes show no sign of it. The border uh, around the melanoma itself, it didn't spread. And the doctors are extremely shocked. <laughs> they were happy, but they were shocked, which I thought, now, God is taking care of this. But even if it did spread, God was still taking care of it. But I mean, I was happy about that. And of course, it was reported on the radio that, you know, the cancer had not spread, you know, place has erupted, got all kinds of emails and texts. And literally, it took two, I think, two full-time people to answer all the texts for two days, just saying, thanks, thanks, thanks. It was just so many people. And that was, that was amazing. But what I did do, I'd heard that sugar feeds cancer. So I stopped sugar right away. Whether that was true or not, I know sugar was bad. You know, sugar, especially too much sugar. Uh, you get plenty of sugar, uh, natural sugar from different foods, especially fruits and stuff. But table sugar or whatever you want to call it, the white uh, refined sugar is not good for you. So I cut that out totally. And I lost, this skinny little boy lost, uh, what are these, 30 pounds? No, 25 pounds in 30 days, which I don't know where it came from, but I lost it. <laughs> So I knew it was healthy. I did the juicing, carrots and, and uh, Granny Smith's apples, and I threw ginger in there. And I just ate better. I ate more salads, um, more greens, more vegetables, and uh, tried organic as much as I could. And so I was beefing up my already healthy body because I was very healthy up until that point. And so I just wanted to build my immune system. However, 18 months later, the cancer did come back. And that's when I, mean, I didn't really consider, I, I knew I wasn't going to do chemo because I didn't want to do that or radiation, 
but they didn't even offer that. They said, hey, they were excited about this immunotherapy. And I remember reading in Chris Work's book about immunotherapy, and it was like, you know, builds up your immune system, you know, without killing any cells. I thought, thought, well, hey, I think that might be good. So I went that route. And it's funny because I just happened to open up Chris Beat Cancer book right now as I'm recording this. And I thought, wow, maybe I didn't finish reading the rest of this. <laughs> and it also explains the the reaction of the doctors because uh, he, he writes in here, it's like a, a little over a page, but he talks about immunotherapy is currently the hottest trend in the cancer treatment world. And as I write this, which was right around the time when I was getting my cancer, a little bit before that, there are roughly 800 clinical trials underway using immunotherapy drugs, but the initial result do not justify the hype. And then it says, and then he says um, that basically, of course, you've seen the commercials with Updevo, which is what I had, that it is helps you just live a little bit longer. Like I think the average survival rate was 11 and a half months. So that's why they were shocked that I went five years. It's been five years now since the uh, tumors shrunk. And it did say also in here, <laughs> this is surprising me, only 20% of patients for some cancers, which melanoma is one of the ones, melanoma and lung cancer were the two that they told me respond to immunotherapy. But they didn't give me any percentages. And he says 20% of the patients uh, respond uh, to the, the treatments. I was one of the 20%. In fact, I was apparently, because I asked the, the doctor who was always saying, wow, you know, I think about your, your uh, condition and your journey and uh, your results, your blood tests. He goes, and I have nothing but good thoughts. I didn't know what that meant. I said, doesn't all your patients respond like this? And he said, well, let's just say you are in the top 2%. <laughs> okay. So, to answer that question, I did do immunotherapy, and it worked beautifully for me so far. It's been five years, and they said, well, if, if you go five years without it reoccurring, then there's, I, I think they give me 97% chance that I will just, you know, it will never come back. I don't know how they know that, because it hasn't been around that long, but uh, I'm going for that. And so, to answer that question... I guess immunotherapy is part of the conventional thing. So I did do that, but I did change my diet and exercise. And uh, I'm not one who stresses out too much. I get nervous over things, but overall, I don't have a stress-filled life because I sit in coffee shops a lot. That's a stress-free environment, right? <laughs> and I'm always happy and I'm an optimist. Glass half full, actually glass totally full. I think I'm pretty extreme. So that's, that's a combination of the two. And immunotherapy, and again, it only works for some people and for certain cancers. And since he wrote that part in uh, Crispy Cancer, I don't know what the difference is, if it's gotten better or whatnot. But that's all I know for that. Did you need to put up some boundaries when healing? And what changed in your life or in any relationships that you needed to stop or change? So you could focus more intentionally on healing. Yeah, I think that kind of plays into um, when someone gets a diagnosis and they decide not to do the conventional treatments that the families and friends freak out because they're like, what are you doing? You need to heal from this. 
And I totally understand that. I didn't have to deal with that. First of all, initially, I didn't even do anything because it had not spread. Uh, and then the immunotherapy, you know, I didn't get any pushback on that because people said, well, hey, I, I hear that's better. And in my case, it was good that I did that because it did totally eliminate uh, the tumors. And I've been fine ever since. Um, of course, you have to make that decision for yourself because apparently I am in the minority. Yeah, do your research if you're considering that. Uh, I do have a friend who took immunotherapy and his tumors doubled. He had a different type of cancer, though. And last time I checked, he's still around. I don't know what, what he did past that. but So, yeah, I, apparently I'm a rare, a rare person when it came to that. But I didn't really have to set up any boundaries. Uh, because uh, no one really pushed back. Um, I'm trying to think if I got any, I don't think I got anything from listeners. They were just excited that I didn't have the cancer or, yeah. Yeah, I don't think I had anything. Now, I would say my, my family, they want to eat right, but they, 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 they don't, mostly because of schedule, you know, the regular excuses. Um, and the reason why I didn't before the cancer uh, but you know, I kind of, I kind of go to extremes compared to them. They shouldn't be extremes. They should be the norm, but you know, I always, you know, look for organic. I always try to eat more vegetables than, uh, I don't want to eat processed food, you know, that kind of thing. Whereas it's hard not to eat processed food because that's the most available food there is, especially when you're in a hurry. So yeah, my family loves the fact that I eat healthy and they wish they could. They just haven't gotten to the point where they just do it. And I'm not the cook of the family to the point where I will just prepare it all for them. I've tried that before. Uh, <laughs> and they're like, Oh yeah, I can't get used to this. So and I have uh, one of my offspring. I won't mention their name, but they have stomach issues all the time. So it's a gut health thing. And I just can't get that one to change the diet enough to go plant-based and maybe just start isolating situations. Plus this one is in college and it's hard to do that, especially while in college. So eventually I'm gonna get them on there, hopefully before anything happens in a negative way. Was there a specific vice like food item that you had to get rid of? Sugar, definitely, because I ate, I ate all the time being a little skinny guy. Um, I ate a lot of sugar and nothing was too sweet for me, especially being at the radio station because people will bring by desserts. You know, they, they don't bring by a plate of, of broccoli and carrots for some reason. They bring desserts and cupcakes and candy and cakes and, and pies, oh, all kinds of stuff. And I think I ate half of it in the radio station at the other half. In fact, one morning, uh, I ate, and the guy, one of the guys, in the morning, the the head guy in the morning, he's a, uh, he lost 140 pounds, so he's very physically fit and big on diet, and uh, he counted the calories I ate during the morning show, and these are just snacks, well, breakfast and then snacks and then whatever, 10,000 calories I ate, and most of that was garbage. Either dessert kind of stuff, things I found in the break room, not other people's food, but I mean, things that were there for us to eat. <laughs> 10,000 calories and I couldn't gain a pound. 
I know people hate me for that. I'm sorry. But yeah, desserts. And to this day, I don't eat. I'll, I'll eat uh, like a birthday cake, a slice of birthday cake, you know, for my family or every once in a while, you know, I'll just do something. But I just don't have the desire for desserts anymore. And if, I, if there is one, I'll make sure there's dark chocolate in it because that's healthy, right? Please share how someone can continue life with cancer and how it looks, feels like after cancer. Wow. I know several people who they're on a journey of cancer. In fact, Tim Timmons, which I interviewed, uh, one of the original uh, podcast episodes was Tim Timmons. He's had cancer for like 20, 20 some years. I forgot how it's over 20 years and he still has the tumors in him, but he lives there. He eats right. He exercises. He's a very upbeat guy. Uh, and he is thankful for every day that he's alive. You know, he, he puts a, a mark on his hand with a Sharpie. <laughs> it just says, you know, I made it another day. He's got a great attitude. But yeah, I mean, people like that uh, living with cancer, it just it's just not something that consumes their mind. They're like, well, you know, it's there. God can take me whenever. I'm ready, but I'm just going to keep on going. It's it's all about the attitude. It's not having cancer consume you, but that's just, that's not who you are. That's just part of something that's happening to you that you are doing your best to control it, get rid of it. I don't know how you can do it without faith in God. Let me put it that way. After cancer, which is a situation I'm at, every once in a while, you know, if you got like a, a pain somewhere, an ache, or you feel something that, hey, is that a bump? You know, and you start, oh, oh no, is it back? Is it coming back with a vengeance? Is it upset with me? And so there, there's always that, you know, and it, it scares me for a second. And then I'm like, that's not cancer. And if it was, hey, I'm ready. I'm fine. I know what to do. And I'm ready to go. Yeah, it's all about attitude. Just like everything in life, it's about your attitude. That makes a world of difference on how uh, things affect you. All right. I hope I'm answering these questions right, because I'm not the best at answering questions, but hopefully I'm doing something. Of all the resources you used, learned from, which one did you utilize, learn from the most, or value the most? Well, um, probably. I'm not a good researcher. Um, I like to read books, though. And, of course, the first one I got, because so many people told me about it was the crispy cancer, which is how I found out, like most people, about healing strong. So that it's got so much information, more than my little brain can can contain. And uh, I mean, he and of course Chris, uh, which I've met on several occasions, he's very healthy. I mean, he's a perfect example of he knows what he's talking about because it has worked for him. Even his skin is perfect, which really irritates me. <laughs> But yeah, excellent book. I very, I very much uh, recommend having the Chris Beat Cancer book. And then, of course, James Templeton wrote, I used to have cancer. And he had the same kind of cancer I did back when he didn't have a lot of answers. He didn't have the Chris Beat Cancer book. And uh, he was like a pioneer in my mind. And of course, he's Texan, which makes him a little tougher. His story is, is, is hysterical. Uh, the way he tells it, but that book is fantastic. And I really was encouraged by that. And there's so many others. I can just keep naming them, but those two specifically. 
What's the most significant lesson you've learned during your healing journey? Well, in my case, God knows where we're at, what we need. And uh, first of all, I learned it matters what you put in your mouth. <laughs> so eat, eat the right things. But I, I grew up, and I know you're going you're gonna to think I need counseling. And <laughs> I probably do. But I grew up, you know, be, being an introvert, and I was always tiny. I was the smallest kid in my class every year, all the way up through 12th grade. I mean, including the girls. Okay. I didn't break a hundred pounds till the end of 11th grade. Okay. I was like microscopic. I don't know why. And I loved football so much, which, you know, when you're not too much, when you're not that much bigger than the, the ball of the sport itself, and you probably shouldn't play it. So I always felt like insignificant. I felt like, well, I'm, I'm in everybody's way. I lived my life like I was in everybody's way. And I'm in a, in a room full of people, whether it's just two others or a hundred people. I, you know, I'm the last person to talk because I figure, eh, what I have to say doesn't really matter. Everybody's smarter than me, you know, and I didn't think these things consciously. It's just a subconscious thing. It's the way I'm, I'm wired. So I always thought that way, which is weird when you get into radio, because usually people in radio, they like to hear themselves talk and they always talk. But me, I'm like, eh, you know, I'm too polite. I can't, you know, everyone has to talk before me. I don't mean polite in a good way. I mean, I'm just... I think you know what I'm talking about. However, when I got that diagnosis, I thought, well, you know, okay, I'm in radio, so you can't do this privately. Everyone's going to know I had cancer. But I'll probably get some people say, oh, sorry to hear that. We'll be praying for him. What's his name again? You know, that kind of thing, which is probably what I would have done. I probably wouldn't even have written in. I would just say, oh, Lord, help that person. But when I saw the reaction of people and they talked about a the difference I made in their life, uh, you know, I didn't think it's because I'm so wonderful, but I was on the radio. So they heard me every morning for years. Wow. I never thought that I actually made a difference. And, uh, and, and I don't mean that in a, in a weird way. I don't know how else to say it, but I just didn't feel like what I said made a difference, but I heard story after story. And, and after I was, you know, healed and out in the public again, Usually it's women with their little girls because they were in the school line dropping off their kids. I don't know why they all have daughters. Where the, where the sons go? But they would come up to me and go, oh, my gosh, when we heard in the radio, we're sitting in the car line to drop off a little Missy here. And uh, we heard that you had cancer. and We just cried. I'm like, what? You cried? You don't even know me. And of course, I realized they thought they did know me. And that just was so overwhelming. And I think that was God's way because he knew what I needed. He let me know, hey, you're, you're just as important. In fact, I put you here for a purpose. You know, you're going to affect other people. Everyone affects other people in their realm. And yours happens to be a big one, half a million people. And you're not a nobody. So I, I needed to hear that. And I needed to hear it from God. And I heard it directly from God. And you don't want to argue with God, but it really made me feel like, wow, I didn't go through life not affecting anything. So it, it totally changed my mindset. Uh, I'm still an introvert. <laughs> I'm still the last person in the room to talk, but I thought, well, you know, maybe, maybe what I have to say does matter. So that's what I learned. That's the most significant thing I learned was, you know, I'm not a mistake. I am here on purpose and uh, God is very fond of me. That's a good feeling. Okay. How has being a Healing Strong group leader helped you personally? 
There's another funny thing. I looked for a group to be a part of uh, in Greenville, South Carolina, thinking, hey, it's a healthy place. There's going to be at least one, maybe two. There was none. Then I felt trapped. I thought, well, I just found out there's none. And now I had that knowledge. I have to do something about it, which I probably wouldn't have done before God let me know that I mattered. <laughs> that blew it for me. So I thought, well, I got to go ahead and start, start this group. And I did. And people came and it was so encouraging, even though by that time, my, uh, I think by that time, yeah, my cancer was gone, but I heard other people on, on their journey who they were fighting their cancer at the moment or just got their diagnosis and watched them being an encouragement to others and being encouraged by others in the group was just amazing. And it also showed me that, hey, you don't have to be a bold uh, type A leader to start one of these groups because it's all, it's all laid out for you. All, there's so much information on the website, healingstrong.org. And the curriculum is there, and it has been recorded on video. I know how to push a button. I'm in radio. I can push buttons. So I push the button, and uh, the curriculum starts talking to us. And then we share stories with each other and where we're at, or someone's new there. We find out what's going on with them, and we try to encourage them. And it's just great. It's just a room full of people battling cancer that are being optimistic. It's amazing. You got to join a group if you haven't yet. And if there is none, start one. It's, it's not rocket science, okay? I say that as someone who is not a leader at all. And I'm, I'm waiting for God to put a leader in here, uh, but he hasn't yet. He's, <laughs> he's still giggling over the fact that I've, I'm leading one, I think. <laughs> that is how that has helped me personally. I look forward to it every month. And of course, we have a cool place to meet at the Cancer Survivors Park in downtown Greenville. <sighs> Stop on by if you want to be fourth uh, Tuesday night of the month. We're cool. We're right there on the Swamp Rabbit Trail. The place, I mean, people are just jogging by or riding their bikes by, looking in like, what are they talking about? Yeah, we're there. We're pretty cool. So stop on by. Give me a call first so I know you're coming. <laughs> well, fortunately, that is all the questions. I hope I didn't um, mess them up. So I hope people who wrote those questions aren't like, that's not, that doesn't answer my question. But hey, it's what I got. All right. So I'm giving you what I got. I went more than 30 seconds at a time. And that, my friend, is a miracle. So thanks for listening to the I Am Healing Strong podcast. If you haven't heard them all, there are there are a plethora of them. Go back and listen to them. They're amazing. You can be encouraged by people's stories. All right, we'll see you next week. Thanks, Jim. You've been listening to the I Am Healing Strong podcast, a part of the Healing Strong organization. We hope you found encouragement in this episode as well as the confidence to take control of your healing journey, knowing that God will guide you on this path. Healing Strong is a nonprofit organization whose mission is to connect, support, and educate individuals facing cancer and other diseases through strategies that help to rebuild the body, renew the soul, and refresh the spirit. It costs nothing to be a part of a local or online group, and you can do that by going to our website at healingstrong.org and finding a group near you or an online group or start your own, your choice. While you're there, take a look around at all the free resources. 
Though the resources and groups are free, we encourage you to join our membership program at $25 or $75 a month. This helps us to be able to reach more people with hope and encouragement. And that also comes with some extra perks as well. So check it out. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star rating, leave an encouraging comment, and help us spread the word. We'll see you next week with another story on the I Am Healing Strong podcast.